babies. Their brain's gonna be real bad tonight. Welcome to my world, baby. Um, with that being said, what do you say we go ahead and uh, start the show? <laughs> no opening takes. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna start our show with opening takes. <laughs> why don't you? Uh, why don't you start the Simple Mind Sports Show off with uh, your opening take? Uh, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard, for that uh, punctuality and the uh, enthusiasm that you had there. Uh, I like when you you I like when you try to sound smart. smart and you use and words don't. that don't fucking make sense. Thank, thank you. you for the punctuality. Because <laughs> yeah. we're late. You're late. Totally on time for. Uh... You're late. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, this Super Bowl Zoom, is probably it was Zoom's fault. It, it was Zoom's fault. fault. Zoom, Zoom had a Zoom had a fault, but yeah, this is probably the most uh, unimpressive Super Bowl. There's no buzz around it. It's pretty much what we're recording this on Thursday, four days away. And there's really no buzz around the Super Bowl for once. And this is pretty uh, disappointing. I think the NFL uh, struck out with this small market Cincinnati Bengals team, even though they were a team of destiny, but yeah, there's no one talking about it. It's in LA, one of the fakest sports cities in the world. Uh, I just, it's kind of, it sucks actually, you know, to be honest with you that we're four days away and we're not even excited for the Super Bowl. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of national um, sports coverage this week. I'm sure, you know, they're doing their due diligence on the Super Bowl as they should be. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously the local football coverage has been all Brady or uh, Belichick. And um, yeah, I don't know. There are, there is no fucking buzz. There is no buzz with these teams. There's no rivalry. There's no, no, um, no animosity between anybody. I mean, which is got- weird because Stafford, you got a good story there. You know, we were playing in Detroit, beat. <laughs> in that loser city and coming to LA, going to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow being the kid, you know, coming off of that ACL injury last year and, you know, coming in right now and going to his first Super Bowl. And that's going to be something to talk about, but there's nothing. There's really no buzz. I guess the moral of the story is no one gives a shit about, about the Bengals. anybody from Detroit and no one cares about top six, top seven quarterbacks. Got to be well, that's really, weird because he's a top four. Got to be so. really in your in the kind of higher echelon to get that. My opening take is uh, revolving around the NBA trade deadline that um, was punctually on time yesterday uh, as this is released at 3 p.m. The Celtics made a couple moves. Uh, if you looked at the number of players going out, you'd think they would, they would have made some kind of blockbusters. But no, uh, they bring back two players, one in Derek White and one in Daniel Tice. Uh, in the process of getting rid of Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Romeo Lankford, first round pick, and a couple other pieces. Uh, I thought it was going to be a trader Danny deadline and that we'd hear a lot of rumors, a lot of smoke and pretty much nothing at all would happen. And I can't say that that's what this was. I don't, you know, they it didn't make a huge splash. Um, but I think that the Celtics switched gears over the last couple of weeks, the way the team has been playing, they get, became more aggressive as buyers. But I don't know, you know, we'll talk more about the players individually and how it will affect the team. We got a, a professional Celtics guy on with us today, and we don't have to deal with Bill's uh, sarcasm when it comes to basketball. So that's good. Hey guys, um, I can go to sleep. Great. Uh, uh, stupid fucking sport. Uh. Um, I lost my train of thought because I'm wildly hungover. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I literally have no idea what I was just about to say. Welcome to the Simple Mind Sports Show, Friday Rewind, February 11th. Yep, welcome to the show.
this show, as always, uh, is coming to you uh, by White Birch Brewing. Maybe for the last time, if uh, Dave doesn't get back to me, he's been ghosting me. Anyone listening from White Birch? Uh, so get on down there, or uh, Ray's going. Bill's going to go burn the place down. I think. So before that happens, uh, head on over to White Birch Brewing, the best craft brewing in New Hampshire, Nashville, New Hampshire. Ray, address please. Bill, the address is four sixty Amherst Street. When you go, <laughs> now it's over. He's probably going to do 470 and some poor dentist is going to be fucked. <laughs> uh, if you can't get down to 460 Amherst Street, the good side of Amherst Street, then get at your local beer stores, wherever you get it. Tell me Silver Mines boys sent you white birch brewing. Uh, Ray, we're going to start off a little Bruins today. We're going to do Bruins with Blake. Uh, second Perfect. time on the show. So let me go ahead and uh, bring him in. But lots of lots of Bruins news uh, with your big anchor players here. Um, and not any of it really good. No. What's going on, boys? What's up, Blake? Hey, Blake, what's going on, buddy? Not much. How are we doing? Good. Good to see you. Good yeah, to see you. Good to be back. Good to be back, for sure. Glad Zoom uh, didn't interrupt you and fuck your mic up and all that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Because mine, remember? Remember it was Zoom's fault earlier? Oh, Rich? he wasn't here. Why would you make a joke that he does, wouldn't get? Oh, he wasn't fuck here. you, Rich. So Go ahead. St- so stupid. Uh, no bill Blake, today. I am mildly hungover. <laughs> no uh, bill. Blake, no, no bill. No bill. No, 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 no bill. Bills. We all need days off. Yeah, we all need <laughs> days off from Bill. But you know, don't get into it. It's gonna make Ray angry. He takes a lot of personal days. Uh, Blake, let's jump right into the Bruins stuff because there's a lot of stuff going on. I want to start with Marshan. His six-game suspension for the uh, what I would um, define as moronic. Uh, behavior uh, the other night against yeah. the Penguins at the end of the game. I think everyone knows what we're talking about that by now, but uh, basically cold cocking uh, the Penguins goalie <laughs> Jari uh, or giving him a little love tap, depending on who you talk to love and then poking him with the stick. Um, let's just start there. Your instant reaction to that um, uh, yeah. Martian incident. So I, it doesn't matter to me whether it's a little punch to the head or a cross check to the head or a little stick tap. It's all the same in the eyes of the NHL player safety. The roughing and high sticking was obviously stupidity, but like the motive behind it, I get. So like. What was the motive behind it? Why did he, why did he do it? It was, it was clear that Tristan Jerry was doing something. He did slash coil in the midsection that happens in every game. And people are like keying that as the main point, but that's not it. He definitely had to have been chirping throughout the entire game, something along those lines, getting in Marshawn's kitchen. And it had to have been good enough to make him do what he did. I mean, that was like completely barbaric. I mean, maybe, but the point, you know, Marshawn got six games, which, you know, a lot of people in Boston are saying is way too many, but he brought it on himself. The guy's been fined for over a million dollars in his career. Um, He has his reputation. My instant reaction to this, Blake, was like you (laughs) – it's going to be really hard to put a C on that guy's chest if Bergeron yeah. walks away this year. I mean, he's supposed to be your leader. He is your best mm-hmm. player. And now it seems like a regression back to the little ball of hate, the little rat days. And you just he just can't afford to do it. And obviously, he's putting him as the Bruins in a real bad place now with Bergeron being injured. We have the Tuca retirement. We can get to those two things. But yeah. just to finish up on the Martian thought, go ahead. Yeah, um, I do definitely think that he can still be a captain. I mean, he didn't speak with the media at all yet 
but Bruce Cassidy relayed some of his words and Don Sweeney did as well, that he is remorseful and he did think it was an immature act. And he's been saying that his whole career, but it's been a little bit less than it used to be. Um, and I do think that this is one of those things that is going to overlap a bunch of the good things that he's done in the past. And I don't think that the people in Boston should let that happen. That's yeah. for other fans to decide what they think. We have our own narrative about Marchand because he's our player and we like him. Um, so, yeah, I think he's still going to deserve a C after yeah. all this brushes over. I mean, he's certainly a tone setter and, um, you know, he's, he's a leader. He's, if not, yeah. the, he's a leader on there. It's just a, it's just a real tough look to have Top that guy that can't team. control himself in those fashions, you know, with that C and a uh, beautiful segue by me, putting them in a terrible position here with Bergeron's yeah. injury, your thought on the Bergeron injury, you know, having to do with his head, they seem to be really cautious with this, yeah. but I'm looking at this now, Blake, you got six games with Marshan uh, Bergeron indefinitely. You know, yeah. we, don't, we don't know. How can the Bruins survive this? And at the end of the two week stretch or so here, are we going to be looking at a team that's on the outside of the playoff picture looking in? That would mm-hmm. be a pretty major collapse with the standings the way they are. But, yeah. you know, you lose your two top guys. That's tough to, to withstand. And they got a decently uh-huh. hard schedule coming up. So the information that I pulled on Bergeron is that it's not a concussion. So that's good. They said he injured his head and what they meant by that, I think he has like a cut on his head or something. So maybe some staples or stitches going on. So, I mean, me as a kid, I played through that. So hopefully he's going to man up after a game or two and get back out there because they actually really need him. Marshawn and Bergeron are 20, literally in between 24% and 25% of their offensive production throughout this entire year. They need both of those guys in the ice. So you calling Bergeron a pussy just so we can clarify right now? No. <laughs> How dare you, Ray? How dare I mean, you? I'm sorry. It, if it was me, I'd be back in the ice. If it was, just, I don't oh, yeah, know. Yeah, the yeah, no, of course. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah, a, yeah. just a head laceration. I took the corner of a scooter to the top of my head. The next day, I played hockey with staples in my head. So Bergeron's got a man up a little, I think. Full hey? hockey guy. Full on hockey guy. <laughs> um, I don't. I would be weary that it's just a a. a cut on his head i mean he's dealt with concussion issues before yeah. those are things that professional teams are weary to release they definitely, they definitely like the were information um, on. being very critical on it so that they didn't run into any problems along the concussion lines yeah totally um well uh they uh they'll have to do it without bergeron without martian and uh a moment of silence for ray and his quest for the butthole tattoo because tuka rask has finally called and quits announced his retirement after his latest injury and uh we have lost a chance to see bill get a t- tattoo on his on his butthole but in the long run for been... the bruins it may be it may be better what you what are your uh initial thoughts on tuka Rass hanging him up so i do think that it was a good time i mean he could have called it quits after the end of last season He went through all that rehabbing and skating every day, trying to get back to 100%. And he did it for so long. He got to the point where, yeah, he wanted to get back in the ice. He had his little stint down in Providence, which I I thought should have went longer. And it would have helped him be better up in the NHL level and just get up to speed. But I do think it was a good time for him to retire. He was like losing a lot of people people were bashing him and he just he wanted to go out well 
he still had so much love in the air for him, you know? Yeah, but do you think yeah. that, like, tainted state, uh, Swayman's stint up here, like, sending no. him back down? No, you I, don't think that hurt him at all? I don't think that hurt Swayman because we've seen Swayman be just – he overcomes things. He just, He's a fighter. He's a tough kid, and he yeah. loves the Bruins organization. And if he's going to go down, they know he knows that he's going to be back up eventually. Yeah. So he's just going to keep fighting and working hard and just improving his game. Yeah. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, Tugaras retiring this year is better because I wasn't yeah. on board with them bringing him back. I thought, you know, you made the trade for Olmark. You're paying him $5 million. You're paying him basically starter money. You have this young kid, Swayman, who at that point through six games of an NHL career looked like he was the real deal, looked like he was on trajectory to be a starter in the league. That should have been your battery. That's what you should have went with. And then bringing mm-hmm. Tuka back, I thought kind of threw a wrench in that and – you know, swimming, swimming belonged on the Bruins. And, and now he's, yeah. I think that at the end, that's going to be um, better overall for the Bruins. And you better hope these guys can get in their groove and get their head straight because without Marshawn, without Bergeron, with the way their defense has played, uh, you know, or at least looked in that Penguins game, not putting up a, an ounce of fight in front of the net. Those, those goalies, are the top two defensive they're going to have to blow up. They're going to have to come up big, Blake. Yeah, no, they're missing their top two defensive forwards. It's going to be tough. Linus Lamarck starting tonight, so he's going to have to just be on his head. Yep. Um, the other guys I need to see in the back end step it up big time is Matt Grizzlick. He needs to try to get to maybe half a point point a game during the stretch. He's a guy that they can rely on sometimes. Uh, McAvoy is also going to have to pick it up and then going to the forwards. It's going to have to be a collective group effort. I mean, they're not, Pasternak is the only top three point producer on the team. Other guys like uh, Hall, Eric Halla, Craig Smith, Jake DeBrusque, and even the back six guys are going to have to do some stuff tonight and moving forward. Yeah, in theory, you'd like to think with a David Pasnack and Taylor Hall, some of the most gifted scorers the league yeah. has, you'd be able to carry that weight. But ask Ray, I've been asking this of David Pasnack for a number of years now, that it's nice when you pile up some hat tricks in the regular season or first round playoff game two, you go off. But what's past next track record when he's been put in these positions where he has to elevate the team with his play i would argue they're not great they're not terrible but they're not great he needs to prove himself right now i think it starts right now he can't the one thing he can't do is try to do too much because when he does that he starts getting too fancy making stupid moves just turns it over in the high zone and then just an odd man rush the other way and that's a difference maker in the nhl so yeah, no, he's it's gotta, true. It's a, it's a good point. He needs to, he needs to find a spot and shoot. That's just what he needs sure. to do <laughs> and, and score yeah. and score when he shoots Sit in the circle, just the whole game, please. A little earlier, but let's finish with, uh, it was the NBA trade deadline today. So the NHL is coming up a month or so away. Do you feel like the Bruins, you know, the rumors are out there. I think they've been testing the waters. Is this stretch here without Martian and Bergeron, could that sway them one way or another? Or do you think that they're full-on buyers at the deadline here? So it all depends if – and it's not necessarily dependent on this stretch of games without Marshawn. It's how the back end of the season goes because they're a borderline team right now. They're at the back end of the East. They're in a wild-card spot. So they have to be 500 or above. And throughout this six-game stretch, I predict them going three and three because – it's just a tough stretch of games. You have the avalanche, you got the Rangers, you got the hurricanes tonight. Like those are tough games. And without your top two guys, it's going to be way harder. Yeah. 
I do think that they will stick with the same game plan going to the deadline because I do think that they're going to make it into the playoffs. Um, and to kind of trail back in our last discussion from last podcast, they will do two trades and one will be for a big piece, including three or four parts. And the other will be for a smaller piece, including maybe one to three parts. And Whoa. I think their big get is JT Miller. And then <clears throat> they will go for a lower end defenseman. And the guy that like fits it perfectly for me is Nick Letty. Mm. That's and a I, big, I like that's some big predictions right there, Blake. I you don't see it think happening. You see it happening not, with like the rumblings. We will not get rid just... of Jeremy Swayman. We will not get rid of Jeremy Swayman or Fabian Lysel. I'm sorry, but Jack Studnicka is going to go. Jake Debrask, obviously, and no. first round pick, and the second round pick for that big that big um, trade. That's what that's what you think it's going to take, though. Yeah, something along like that. Yeah. Yep. And are you okay doing it? Do you think that that pushes them into a chance where if things bounce their way, they could? potentially compete run. this year because mm-hmm. when you say giving away a first and second round pick you know and we've had this conversation bergeron looks like he's about to call it quits yep. it's not the time to be dumping first round picks yeah. and they haven't made one in you know a few years they've been giving away you know first round picks like candy over the last yeah. five or six years so um that's a tough that's a tough call for that me i mean i like jt miller sure. he's, he's a good age he's a good contract he fits what you need at the center position um but that's a tough ask if you want a first and second round pick in the position the Bruins are in. The thing that's driving me to, to make the decision that they're going to just go all in at the deadline is Don Sweeney's on the last year of his contract. So he's not guaranteed anything after this year. He could just go balls to the wall. Yeah. Money, money talks, as they say. So if, and, and if he makes some big moves and it ends up panning out well for him, then he's going to get another contract. So I, that might be his motive. Yeah. Would you yeah, bring I Don think... Sweeney back though? Would you bring Don Sweeney back after just without a big trades or anything like that to finish the season first round exit? Do you bring him back? No. Uh, no, I meant to say yes, I would bring him back. Freudian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> slip, sure. Yeah. Sorry, Don Sweeney. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, I because if Sweeney goes, then Bruce Cassidy is out. And I love Bruce Cassidy, quite frankly. Yeah. He's a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, it, a lot of it for me will depend on what it looks like and where they are. If they're a playoff team at the deadline, they'll buy. Uh, we'll see how um, you know how aggressive they want to be in that pursuit. But then yeah. you know, come the playoffs, I mean, if it's another first round exit or they get stomped in the second round again, you, and you're churning in the mud, uh, we floated this. Bill floated this on our program before. If Bergeron retires, I'd see what kind of haul you could get from Marshan and just start over. With pack with McAvoy, Pasenek, and Lysel, and those are your guys, and you build from there. I'd only take a franchise guy for Marshawn. Obviously, it'd have to be a pa- a package, but I'd only trade away Marshawn for franchise guys like McDavid, Austin Matthews, Jonathan Huberdeau, Leon Draisaitl. He's he's in his mid. He would be in his mid thirties, a top five player in the league, arguably. Mm-hmm. And you're at a position of complete rebuild. He doesn't fit that team, and he's the fastest way to rebuild with the type yeah. of compensation you could get back for him. So yeah. I think if I know the that that is, you is know, that we're full rebuild. That's a great way to go about it. Trade Marsh on away, bring in some young assets. Blake, you're about to go. You're going to lose Chara for nothing, Krejci for nothing, Tuca for nothing. You're going to lose Bergeron for nothing. You're going to lose that entire core. You're going to let them walk and you know do the romantic hockey thing and let these guys walk out. Chara didn't do it as a Bruin. Krejci went and played overseas. 
Tuca left as a Bruin at a desperate, desperate <laughs> times, it feels like. And we'll see what happens with Bergeron. I just look at that and go, Jesus, like out of, you know, you got Marsha in here. Can you salvage something, you know, yeah. at, at the end of these guys' careers? That's would be something to think about. Well, especially hey, since we got rid of all those first round picks, too. You have nothing. You have no yeah. young guys coming up. So that would be a haul to get that you could get some draft picks back in return if you traded Marsha. Something to think about. We're not there yet, though. So we got a game tonight, and I know you're uh, you're getting gearing up to watch that, Blake. So we'll let you fly. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All hey, right, thanks for we'll coming talk man. To you soon. Yeah, definitely. Take care, guys. See you later. This hat makes my face look so fat. Or don't. Okay, it's the hat that makes your face look fat. Hold on. Oh, fuck yeah. It's the hat. It was the hat. Thanks, Ray. Uh, We'll be right back. (laughs) We'll be right back. Zoom is is done. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Ray kicked off the show, the opening tape, with uh, some Super Bowl. I think we covered it. Like, that's how boring this thing is. The opening take was all we needed for the Super Bowl. Is there any, like, what is... Who's the Super Bowl MVP? I'll give you mine. Cooper Cup. Uh, if the Rams win, it'll be Cooper Cup. If the Bengals win, it'll be Joe Burrow. That's probably right. That's probably right. What if Mixon has another game like he had in the AFC Championship game? It's always it doesn't matter though. It's, I know it's always quarterbacks. Yeah, it's kind of boring. It's, it's stupid. really boring. It's like I no think matter if what, Mixon, if you're a quarterback I mean, if, winning team. If Mixon has a day like he had um, against the Chiefs, two touchdowns, hundred yards, and Burrow is. 14 for 19 with, you know, 179 and a touchdown or pick or something. I think, I think Mixon might get a sniff. Yeah, maybe, but I doubt it. It's always the quarterbacks. It's going to be Stafford or fucking Burrow. How about Donald? What if, uh, how many sacks do you expect Aaron Donald and that Rams defense to have against the Bengals? Let's see. They let up nine against Tennessee. I'd go probably 12. Yeah. (laughs) Double digits. It's like, that's probably one of the best defensive lines that you're going to see against the Bengals this year and they are going to run house on that offensive line yeah like, i don't know how do you game how do you game plan around that I me mean, the screen is the obvious is the you know the easy answer they ran a couple of them against the chiefs for some success if i'm remembering correctly um but it's not certainly not their game you know they're yeah. they're uh their offense is dictated on jamar chase breaking a couple that's yep. basically that's basically it and so you know some clutch plays from your boy burrow but um and run in the run game. So I think, I don't know, predictions are stupid, but I think it comes down to, I kind of feel like the Rams are going to win, but they're not, not in a blowout. I just think yeah. the Bengals will come, come up a little bit short. The Rams defense will get to burrow. And uh, I think it's kind of a low score 21, 24 type of game, close game, four point game, something like that. Um, yeah. With Stafford trying to throw it away, like he always does. And that LA defense coming up with a big play. That's how I think it will go. If the Bengals win, then I think Jamar Chase just has a just has a, one day. of those days, and they can't yeah. stop him. But they should be able to. That defense should be able to. It's going to be interesting too because they're saying this is going to be the hottest Super Bowl of all time. Uh, temperatures between eighty-five and ninety degrees over there in LA. It's some weird. Isn't it a um, dome? So that's what I thought, but it only has a covering, but the sides are all open all around it. So they they're going to have that whole heat wave going right in there. So. I think it's going to be a sloppy ass game, but he's going to fit in. There's going to be a lot of cramping and shit. So I think this is going to be one of the 
least uh, not watched because everyone's going to watch it, but least impressive Super Bowl that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, no, it's always down to the wire, you know, and you're it's exciting. It's going to be one of those. What the fuck is this almost over yet, or is it almost halftime yet? Really? I mean, the whole playoffs have been insane since the divisional round. Every single game has been a close, really competitive game. Well, think about it. You got the you got Stafford, who is a born fucking choke artist, going into his first Super Bowl ever. You got the Bengals, who you and Bill have always said has been a choke of an organization. One of the worst organizations in sports. Yeah. So what's going to happen when these two meet in fucking Super Bowl 56? Well, you can choke on both sides. I think it could be exciting. I mean, the defense can completely blow it and let, you know, you know, let them winning plays. I I just, I think it will be close. Um, Like most Super Bowls, it generally starts, start, start slow. And then, you know, there's an explosion of offense at somewhere during the game. And uh, yeah, we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. I don't know. I mean, a lot of teams. Not Good a lot offenses. of players on either team have played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's Vaughn true. Miller, Aaron Donald, that's probably I, – I can think of on uh, L.A. side. Well, maybe Cup, Cup was injured when he played the Patriots, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, from the Bengals, nobody? <laughs> yeah, because you always hear, like, when, like, Brady, you watch those uh, Super Bowl highlights and stuff, and they're talking about it, like, you know. They tell the players, like, this is different now. You get a longer halftime. You know, the commercial breaks are longer and all this shit. So, like, it's a whole different game. It's not like a, yep. any kind of game you've played before. Yep, totally. Yeah, we, I think you'd have to scour the Bengals roster pretty heavily to find a guy that has been played in the Super Bowl. Yep. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that roster, you know, very well off the back of my hand. But, um, yeah, the, the Super Bowl experience is a good one. Sean McVay is probably should benefit the most of that. Uh, you got his. You got Should. pantsed after lapping the ball sack of Belichick before that Super Bowl. So maybe he's going to do that to Zach Taylor. Maybe he not. Go over to Zach Taylor and be like, "Oh man, I've watched you all year long, man. I respect you. I respect everything you've done. Uh, you're my hero." Uh, beautiful segue into coaching staff. The Patriots. Just quickly, little update. Uh, we have a new offensive. Uh, supervisor, shall we call him? Not a coordinator. Didn't get a coordinator job. Uh, this guy brings a lot of experience. Uh, he's been with one of the most franchised organizations in the NFL. Uh, he has some ed- coaching experience, special teams. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about the new brain power of the New England Patriots coaching staff, Mr. Joe Judge. Do you know his middle name is Shroot? Is it? Yep, because he's the assistant to the assistant offensive coordinator. <laughs> Good one. Uh, is there a chance the Patriots will go into this season with no offensive coordinator and no defensive coordinator on the staff? Yep. Yep. 100%. Because you know why? Belichick's going to be like, look what I can do. You know how when Brady was at the end of his tenure here in New England, we're starting to get a little sick of him. We're starting to get a little sick of Bill. He's yeah. starting to happen. <laughs> like this bullshit of look at me, look what I can do. Starting to really get on my fucking nerves. Yeah, and mainly because the last two seasons have been poorly coached team. The penalties and uh, the mistakes, the boneheaded mental mistakes, it's all coming from coaching. And -hmm. their staff is, like, very small compared to what it's been in in the rest of the NFL. There's just – first of all, there's not a lot of guys. I think it is – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it is the smallest in the NFL. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like, can you even – we can't even name the guys. You know, Ivan Fears is retiring – um, obviously you got fucking Matt Patricia there. You got Joe Judge. But what does he do? What he's just a consultant. We don't know. We don't yeah. know what that fat fucking Fuck. guy does. 
It's kind of uh, like me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he does. Wild card. Uh, well, oh, that was the other thing. Did you see the Mac Jones mic'd up? From the I Pro heard Bowl? about it. I didn't, I didn't hear it, though. Go find it. Go watch it. The confidence that this fucking dork McCorkle gives off. And in, in I don't know. I don't. God bless him. God, he should do uh, talks at schools around the, the country and for, boost for the egos nerds. of these young little, young little nerds. He's talking shit. He's dancing. He looks like a goofy little fuck. Like you can't identify one muscle on his body anywhere. And it's like, Did you, I heard of that though. I heard that he said that uh, on his off season, he has to get better. Uh, he has to get in shape and to eat better. Yeah, like, oh, what's, what's one of the foods movie. that you, uh, what, what's one of your guilty pleasures? Ice cream. My man. <laughs> yeah. Right to my he heart. Looks, right to my he heart. He looks like such a boy. It's like, yeah, I got to clean up my diet, you know, and, and stuff like that. And what do you eat? I really like ice cream. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you like it when your mom puts the cherry on top too, McCorkle? Little whipped cream. Yeah. Uh, but then that mic'd up came out and that guy, exudes confidence for a dork and uh, that bodes well I think as a Patriots fan so do you think uh, that Pro Bowl helped out yeah I do you do I do I think that it, um, as a young player I think it is it helps assimilate them to the league and feeling like they belong and you know all that hunky-dory kumbaya bullshit Brady went I think it I think it did that for Brady too yeah when he went with uh Lawyer Malloy and Ty Law and McGinnis and those guys. Um, Seymour. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think later in your career it means shit. And obviously the game is fucking embarrassing. It's not even football. That was fucking terrible. That 70 yard run. What the fuck? It's just ridiculous. It's I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch a second of it. I don't know if you did, but nope. I saw it pop up on my phone like, oh, Mac Jones, 70 yard run. He did the dance. I don't know what it's called, but that fucking gritty. The gritty. Okay, thank you. And I was like, oh, I gotta see this. This probably was fucking awesome. Nope, it was just guys just letting them run. Like, like yeah. you know how you see those Make a Wish kids fucking go to like college. <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. They break through for the touchdown. The whole yeah. D line just stands <laughs> just, there. They're running behind them, cheering them on. Oh, go, right. man, now go. You've, now you've made me backtrack on my thought of his confidence. Maybe they just make a Mac Jones is the Make a Wish kid for the NFL. Yes. Gee, guys, thanks. This, this is look so at much this fucking, fun. Yo, look at let that nerd score. Go, hey, Mac, go, baby, go. Hey, do you think the coach will have ice cream for us after the game? That's what they told them when they snapped the ball. They said, Hey, Mac, you score. I got cookie dough ice cream for you, buddy. <laughs> go get him, pal. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. All right. Well, I guess I guess he's not that he's not that cool and confident. They just got a make a wish for him. Good for you, Mac. <laughs> Uh, we're going to come back, talk some NBA trade deadline, and we'll have uh, our boy Jack chatting with Jack on the Celtics after that. Um, but before, let's throw it over to headlines with the obvious one. Thank you, Richard. <clears throat> the Boston Celtics were active at the NBA trade deadline, acquiring Derek White from the Spurs and old friend Daniel Tice from the Rockets. In short, the Celtics sent out Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, Dennis Schroeder, Enos Freedom, Bruno Fernando, a first-round pick, and a pick swap for White and, Ty- and Daniel Tice. Uh, they also dumped the corpse of P.J. Dozier and Bobo Bol in Orlando, assuring they get out of the luxury tax and Wick Grosbeck gets some extra cheddar. The Brooklyn Nets dumpster fire is fully ablaze as James Harden forced his way out of his second city in two years. Harden was traded to the 76ers for the Prince of Pussies, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. 
and two first-round draft picks. That is a fucking haul. Brad Marchand was handed a six-game suspension for being a jack-off against the Penguins. Patrice Bergeron left the game with an injury that occurred when hit hard against the boards. He is out indefinitely, and the Bruins are toast. The quest for the butthole tattoo is officially over as Tukaras has retired from the NHL after 15 years in the league. Pour one out for your boys. MLB lockout update. The owners have agreed to implement a universal DH and draft lottery. Commissioner Rob Manfred believes the season will start on time with a delayed spring training. However, he had his fingers crossed, so nope. This has been headlines with the obvious one. Back to you, Richard. Good reading, Ray. Yeah, sometimes, you know, words just don't make sense. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't. Depends on where the where the headspace of the grammar guru is at that time. True. That's very true. Yep. And how many beers I've had. Ooh, good point. Uh, NBA trade deadline, a lot of movement. You said it in the headlines there. Let's start with the blockbuster the of the day. The dumpster fire. fire is fully fucking ablaze. Not enough people are making that the head story and the, and the, the lead story, and they should. Kyrie Irving dismantled that team in less than a year just as we predicted just uh, as we predicted 100 this show called this a year ago when all this came about this show right here called this this was going to happen and we, we said it. Kyrie. we said literally everything that was going to happen Kyrie was going to become a delusional little fuck boy and you know check come and go as he pleases uh james harden is going to get disillusioned with what's going on and force his way out of town Check. And Kevin Durant will probably get hurt somewhere along the line and not be available. Check. <laughs> Unbelievable. James Harden should be getting skewered again. The The fact that he forced his way out of town again, I, I don't know if I should be like on his side because I'm sure he just wanted to get away from Kyrie, and I totally understand that. And we get that. Exact same thing. Or just... When the talk of when he was getting traded for Houston and would you want him on the Celtics for Jalen Brown, you and I were hard nosed because he's a hard jerk off of a player mm-hmm. and just ruins chemistry and or what some people would call a cancer in that locker room. And for that first year in the Nets, looked like he had shed that. He was passing the ball, he was a distributor. You know, they were having success until Kyrie Awald and then, you know, they got hurt. And then this year, right reverts right back to being an asshole. Just right back to being the dickhead that he is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that bodes well for the 76ers or not. I'm sure he'll play well in the back end of this season. And he well, already it's gonna be a new honeymoon. It's a new honeymoon right there. So he's gonna play right. good. The rest of the season, depending on how far they go in the NBA playoffs, will determine how big of an asshole he will be next season. I think. And let's just see how he how he uh, gels with Embiid, who is yeah. also has his. I mean, having the best year of his career in the MVP talk. Troll Embiid is, the, I believe, his Twitter handle right now. Yeah, he was trolling Simmons pretty good. He hates <laughs> I love that it. fucking guy. It's funny because Joel uh, Embiid hates fucking Simmons. Harden hates Kyrie, and they're just like, all right, let's let's plop this out, see what happens. Should have done it last year. Should have done it last year is what they should have. And did you see? I don't know. Before we started recording, did you see Kyrie came out and was basically trash talking Harden? No. Yeah, I didn't read the whole article, but it was uh, the headline was pretty much like, yeah, Kyrie responds to James Harden because James Harden was pretty much, I can't play with this fucking guy anymore. I need out. I need, I don't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. And I have to read it, but pretty much he's firing back at James Harden right now. Makes sense to me. 
looks like Kevin Durant said something too. quote. I think everybody got what they wanted in the deadline deal end quote. So whatever that means, I haven't read into it. Um, do you think the nets got better? So in the deal, they got the two first round picks, which, uh, pretty don't have any, so gave yeah. up four for hard in the first place. Um, obviously Ben Simmons, but Seth Curry comes back in that Andre Drummond can play a role. I think um, that those two guys right there helped out that trade even more because you need a shooter. Seth Curry is a shooter. He's an outside presence. So I think they got better at the deadline, which is adding Drummond and Seth Curry right there. Yeah, maybe. Well, it'll depend on what Ben Simmons looks like. And people need to shut the fuck up with he's going to come back motivated. I got a kid, a little boy that sits out of the season, his entire season giving up $19 million or whatever it's been because someone criticized him. You think that guy has he's going to come back motivated yeah. to prove people wrong? No, he's just like, I don't think he gets motivated. He Even though it's Brooklyn is still that New York media, it's going to fucking be all over this kid. You, yeah. Philly, you thought Philly was bad until the New York media gets a hold of you. And How is you a new one? Ben Simmons like f- flower, delicate flower sensibility it's going the kids to deal these days. with Kyrie and like his nonsense. Oh, Kyrie's going to bring over a fucking flat piece of paper and be like, let me start you off right here. This is our world. It's flat. Okay. Secondly, Thanksgiving, it's not a holiday. As he's gonna start fucking preaching this shit, he's gonna corrupt that boy. He's fucked. Like you just gotta do what you gotta do, man. You gotta stay real. You gotta stay real. You gotta stay true to the grass. What the fuck's this guy talking about, Garrett? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Man. <laughs> I just tone him out. What an I say I sing a little Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone when he starts getting <laughs> these rambles. What an absolute shit show. Yeah, he's singing to Seth Curry. Should have never left there, <laughs> idiot. Uh, the next biggest deadline deal. Kings and Pacers had a deal, uh, the day before the deadline. Kings are Uh, fucking dumb. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson sent to Indiana in return. They get, uh, Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb and holiday. I say your piece. Cause I, this is the opinion. A lot of people giving that. Why the fuck would the Kings do this? But that Halliburton kid in the past, like 30 game or no 24 games or something like that. He's averaging over 20 points in like seven assists. The kid's on fire. He's, he's a young kid. I mean, Buddy Heald obviously is a really great shooter. He was like that in Oklahoma when he was in college. The kid can shoot the ball. All this for Sabonis, who I don't think at 25 years old isn't worth the haul that the Kings just gave up for him. Dude, Sabonis is great. He just dropped 25, 10, and five. He's a walking double double 20 point guy. He's something that they didn't have. They had a point, they had a scoring point guard in Darren Fox. The, the whole idea was getting rid of one of those two guys because they had, had similar games and they just couldn't coexist. I would have got rid of De'Aaron Fox and build around those two. Uh, build well, maybe they Halliburton. tried, but they wanted Halliburton. And now you yeah. just added an all-star center, got rid of Bagley. And then Jeremy Lamb is just as good a shooter as Buddy Heald. And the holiday kid is, um, you know, he's an addition. He's a piece. I didn't yeah. hate what they, I didn't hate what they did. Um you know, I know Halliburton's good, and the, you know Indiana's got a good place to start there. And I think they got a couple second round picks too. And look so. at that Kardashian curse, fucking Tristan Thompson on his what is his fifth team now? Yeah, Tristan Thompson, Jesus, how wrong was I about him coming to Celtics? Woof, he stinks. Uh, keep going down the list here. The Pelicans acquire C.J. McCollum for base a seven player total deal, but it revolved around Josh Hart going uh, leaving New Orleans for McCollum. 
I don't get this one. You want to talk about dumb? The Pelicans are fucking dumb. They should have traded Zion. Is what they should have done. They should have dumped that fat ass uh, and got a couple first round picks and started over. Hey, hey, we can't throw that f word around like that. Come on now. (laughs) Sorry, I know this is the year of the Fupa, but with the with the uh, dumpster fire, he's he's fucking it up. Zion's fucking it up. I have toot tooted my way a lot on this show today because I said that that Zion pick was going to be a bust. I just I thought exactly what's happening now would happen. You you see it with these type of players in the NBA that have these big frames, rely on athleticism, and then they get unmotivated and they get fat as shit. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what CJ McCollum's going to do for me. Brandon Ingram's a great player, but well, it seems know, like I, the Blazers are just blowing it up. Well, yeah, they're definitely blowing it up. I mean, they yeah. just got some first round picks. They push salary out. They said they're going to try and build around Lillard. We'll see if he wants to do that. Obviously, he's got the blown. That's ACL, what they want to so. do. That's what they want to do. But if he says, fuck right. that, I want out. See ya. Yeah. But it, well, we said this in the text chain. What can you get for a guy at 32 with a blown ACL? That's a tough, that's a tough, you know, where three months ago you would have probably got, you know, the biggest deal uh, the hall, of the, the deadline hall, hall, yeah. for that guy. And now his, he's damaged goods almost. So we'll see what the, uh, we'll see what the Blazers can do. They have something like 60 million in cap space next year or something. They said like the four, there's four teams. Yeah. It's them. Uh, who the hell was it? Pelicans, I believe is another one that has a lot of cap space still for some God awful reason. I don't know how, but they do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, we'll we'll see what the Pelicans do. I when they the picture of that trade was like the big three: CJ McCollum, Zion, and Ingram. Like that team sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's not playing in the middle. Uh, no. The other guy's skinny and can't really do anything. And this guy just was good because of Lillard. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I like, I mean, Josh Hart was a guy. I thought Josh Hart was a guy the Celtics could have been on. On, we'll get into the Celtics stuff a little bit more. Um, they might have left some stuff on the table. We'll we'll see what Jack has to say about that. Yeah, uh, you're terrible at filling dead, dead air. By the way, well, I didn't know what you were doing. I thought you were frozen. I'm <laughs> I'm just reading the email that I know you've already looked at, so you know what I'm well, looking at. You, you know, I can to, do it. I can do it and talk. You're just your, your brain is dumber than mine today. You can't read and talk. No, I can't. <laughs> uh, I wanted to wait to do the so, uh, Celtic stock and the uh, the reaction from his trades, but we won't. Let's just let's. Just no, no, no. I got I got a simplest mind of the week. Oh, okay. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. Easy. All right, what do you got? Simplest mind of the week. Bay fucking Jing China. <laughs> Go on. When I saw the fucking Jing, uh, when I saw the highlights of, I believe it was the long jump or whatever ski jump, and the reactors in the background, everyone thought that was a fake photo. No, 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 that was real. And then they panned out, and you just see this dump, this wasteland that they just put the fucking middle of this the ski jump in. This is has to be the absolute worst Olympics of all time. You want to talk about corrupt organizations? You want to talk about how people just do things for money? Welcome to the Olympics because that's all they did this for. China said, "Here's a huge check. We'll take the summer and the Olympic, the summer Olympics and the winter Olympics. 
the I guess the food is inedible there. I was reading some tweets from uh, athletes over there. Inedible food, uh, terrible. Uh, you can't do anything. You can't go out because of COVID. It's just COVID is running rampant over there. Uh, some players or athletes have already got COVID. So that's an extra five weeks over there in uh, beautiful Beijing or wherever the fuck they are in China and that gross Chinese food. Fuck that. They're... Why? Why have these Olympics? Why? Why there? Hey, uh, man, this has been a two-two show for me. I have been off the Olympics, specifically these Olympics before they started. I said you shouldn't watch them, but you're so caught up in the Olympics. You're like a, you're like a little boy. You, you need to watch the Olympics. It's on TV. Uh, that's it's okay. On TV, it grows my attention. It's on TV. Ray's watching it. Uh, yeah, no, China's terrible. China sucks. There, there's a humanitarian crisis that's just being swept under the rug because of the money. Beijing is widely considered one of, if not the most um, uh, polluted cities in the world. So let's just bring really? the world's greatest athletes there to fucking compete. Sure, that sounds good. And then, yeah, uh, they build ski slopes in the sl- industry slums of their fucking city and keep everybody on lockdown um, because they can. So yeah, things are going great over there. Boycott the Olympics. The IOC is a fucking joke. They're a a crooked organization like FIFA. All these international sports organizations just go to the highest bidder. They came out literally uh, before these games and said, it's just easier dealing with totalitarians than it is with democracies. It's just easier to do our games there. So that's why we do it. Cool, man. Cool. Good stuff. AKA they gave us the most fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. They gave us the most money and they can do what they can move people out of their homes. They can destroy parts of the city to build ski slopes and no one's going to say boo because if you do, you get thrown in jail. Awesome. Or you get killed or you get killed. Yeah. More likely. No, but I I don't know. You haven't watched a single moment of it. Uh, It's been on TV. And unlike you, uh, my attention is a a little bit less (laughs) averted. Uh, When TVs come on, it's not like a. Hold on, if I'm flipping, if that, I'm flipping through the channel, glued in like it's a tractor beam. But uh, yeah, I've uh, caught it on the background of some things. Yeah, you know what pisses me off because I like watching the snowboarding competition. I when you do flipsies and fucking doodahs, that's fucking entertaining to me. Every time it says snowboarding's on there, it's the fucking the cross country skiing, and then they shoot the rifle. I fucking hate. Here's that. another problem Don't I have lie with the me. Olympics. The simplest minds of the week, the programmers for these Olympics, had the same problem with the summer games. On TV, it says it's this game, and it's not. It's not no. the event. It's not no. even close. No. It's not even close. No. I don't know what that's called, but I think it's stupid because I watched the woman do it because I'm like, well, it's on TV. Biathlon I gotta... is what you're talking about, the skiing okay. and the shooting. Yeah, so I was watching it, five minutes, and they have to hit a fucking target, and these women were missing left and right. This girl was there for no joke over okay, a minute Don't straight. make me mute you, Ray. Don't get into this. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it was bad shooting. Trashing his studio. He's... So fucking mad. I was like, God damn it. I just want to watch Sean White fucking do some flips and shit. And I did. I, I was pissed. Some flipsies and doodahs. Flipsies and, and doodahs, baby. No, you got to watch these women miss shots. Or the curling, the mixed curling. That was hilarious. When I said that to Bill, I'm like, how much of a fucking dope do you have to be to not make a fucking men's team and you have to play with your wife? <laughs> Imagine that. You can finally get your Olympic call, but you have to go with your wife. Fuck that. I'd call it. Nope. I'm good. I'll stay home. There it is. There's, there's <laughs> our, uh, once a show, we get an insight into Ray's life. <laughs> you would go to Beijing, China with your wife to fucking do curling. Yeah. I like my wife and she's a good athlete. We'd probably win. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was uh, that was a good pick though for simplest mind of the week. They uh, yeah, the Bay fucking Jing. Oh. <laughs> simplest mind of the week, Bay fucking Jing, China. Those communist bastards. I needed this. I needed this toot toot after the day I had. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, Celtics chat with Jack. Sky rockets in flight. Oh, I always forget words. Sky rockets in flight. Afternoon, afternoon delight. I don't know, Ron. That sounds kind of crazy. Hello. Hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Floor is yours, Jack. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Jack. Obviously, you said that. Uh, I cover Celtics for Celtics blog of SB Nation. Uh, I'm a site expert at Hoops Habit, which is fan site. It's general NBA site. Uh, I have my own website called Bainertown USA, which I started when I was an undergrad uh, that I put up, you know, personal Celtics musings, recaps, previews, general stuff like that. Uh, I cover for Celtics for CLNS, which is a local Boston media company as well. I also write a little bit for the Hornets for at the hive, but uh, I'm kind of just all over the place, but Celtics is, I mean, grew up in the Boston area. So Celtics is the main priority, obviously. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, um, what, so I'll start right here. We've obviously seen a, uh, an improvement in play over the last call it two or three weeks. Um, What do you attribute that to, you know, what, what do you think, spark the team to start playing better because that's the biggest thing I take away the eye test you look at them and they're moving the ball which has been the biggest problem for them for the last couple of years uh it getting stuck in the offensive possession and clearly they have made it a habit to uh to play you know, play better on the offensive side of the ball so uh and obviously their defense is just locked in I mean they're oh yeah one of the if not the best one of the best rated uh, defenses in the league now so um yeah what do you attribute that to yeah, I mean, you look at the timeline, it lines up right with Marcus Smart coming back. I'm not going to say like, oh, he's the savior of the Celtics, or whatever. I'm a big Marcus Smart guy, but like, I'm also not, you know, saying Marcus Smart is the, the savior of the team. But um, having a, a locked in point guard, which he has been for the Celtics this season, uh, helps. And you could say, oh, he's not a point guard, whatever. He doesn't average this X many assists a game. But it, it's less about assists and more about, like you said, moving the ball. And there's no really denying they've been moving the ball a lot better since he's come back. And I think, for the Jays having that guy that can kind of tell them and a guy that they in the end probably do respect a lot because they played with him for so long, say, okay, let's move the ball this way, you know, get the ball into my hands. I'm going to get you your shots. Right. Um, and kind of just controlling that sort of pace. Uh, and then, like you said, the, the defense alone, right? Like Marcus Smart's playing at a high defensive level tandem of Robert Williams and Al Horford. I mean, Rob's been insane. Uh, even the Jays, they're elite on the defensive side of the ball too. So you combine all that together and now they're what 11 and four in their last 15 games, they've won six in a row you know, eight and two in their last 10, it's clicking. And it starts on the defensive side of the ball. And even like you saw games where they struggle to shoot the ball, I don't think they shot well. It was the magic game. Maybe they shoot poorly from three, but it doesn't matter because they're holding teams to below a hundred points. So uh, if they can focus on the defensive end and keep that ball moving, then uh, I don't see any reason for this to slow down. I'll stop you right there. Let me stop you. Marcus Smart is playing smart basketball. That's what there. the whole turnaround. Oh, I see is. what you did there. That's what I he's did. not playing. He's not playing hero basketball. He's not trying to be like Allen Iverson, like we've been preaching before. Like this guy needs to stop. <laughs> he's actually playing smart basketball. He's yeah. he realizes he's a defensive uh, threat. He plays that role very well. He's assist. He's doing really well assisting the ball. He's not taking these ridiculous three point shots anymore. Marcus Smart is playing smart basketball. And the thing about that, I'll say, not to cut you off again. 
for, for his entire career in Boston, Smart's had a point guard in front of him, right? He had IT, he had Kyrie, he had Kemba. And then even this year, like Dennis Schroeder was, was taking the ball out of his hands a lot, right? And live, love or hate Dennis Schroeder. I'll tell you right now, I didn't like him. Um, he's taking the ball to Smart's hand. And so once you put the ball into Smart's hand and have a coach say, okay, Smart, you are the primary ball handler on this team. You see what he can do. And like you said, it's, it's smart basketball, no pun intended, or maybe pun yeah. intended, but <laughs> yeah, I, no, it's a good point. When he came back, it's, it's certainly when they picked it up and he is having a good year. He's doing what we've been asking him to do for four seasons, which is find his role, fit into it and play that. Although the last game he shot 14 threes, they went in, but he shot 14. Yeah, hey. <laughs> if they're so, going in, I guess, I guess you can't, you can't stop him. Yeah. I can't knock him for that. That's still they also started there. 28 to two in the game. So I, I right. guess you give a little leeway. Yeah, I mean, but they were they were in part of the offense, right? And it wasn't in the fourth quarter where you're down four. Those of that those were the backbreakers of the Marcus yes. Smart quagmire, if you want to call it that. And I I think that that's that's the bigger sense of this whole team. They've allowed it to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's team. Mm-hmm. They're the guys. They should be focused on trying to get them the ball in good positions to score on the offensive side of the ball, and everyone else fits their role. And I just think after two-ish years they've decided that that's okay that that is the way they want to play now and it's showing up in the court I still got to see it against better competition yeah I still got to see uh, Jason Tatum in a fourth quarter where they need him to hit big buckets because mm-hmm. he can rack them up with the best of them but I still think his flaw in his game is in those last five minutes of of you know of tight games against good competition yeah. I think that he can certainly elevate that part of his game Hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the stats over the last however many games. It's Tatum and Brown averaging like twenty-eight and twenty-four, and then the rest of the team averaging ten points, right? And if if you have two guys like that, that's the style of of basketball you want to play. Like you said, get them in the best spots to be successful, and hope everything else falls into place. Yeah, and I think they're doing that, and we'll see uh, if they can do that with the new guys on the team. So let's talk a little deadline. So um, we got a lot of pieces moving for kind of a. <laughs> I like the return in a certain way. I'll get your opinion on it here, Jack, but let's just lay it out. So um, essentially three deals made today. The first one, Brad Stevens dumped Bull Bull and PJ Dozier at the uh, doorstep of Orlando for a uh, salary yep. dump to get under the, the, uh, the luxury tax. Uh, next move was sending Josh Richardson out the door for Derek White. Uh, in addition, they sent Romeo Lankford in a first-round pick and a first-round swap for Derek White from yep. San Antonio. And they closed the day, sending Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Freedom, Bruno Fernando, and a, whatever other piles of stuff they could find at the end of the bunch to bring back old Daniel Tyson as $9 million uh, salary for the next couple of years. So uh, your immediate reaction on the day, on the trade deadline day, Jack, do you like it? Uh, you know, with the particulars, how did you feel about the day? Yeah, so I was on a stream with my buddy Sam. We host a podcast as well, and we we kind of live streamed the deadline. And the the Richardson deal came in, and that was the, obviously the first big one. PJ Dozier, Bobo, that was that was a tax move, right? You did that to duck the luxury tax. It is what it is. Neither of those guys was probably ever going to play in Boston. That's fine. Um, but Richardson was playing good basketball for the Celtics, shooting around forty percent from three. Um, but I really like the deal. I, I love Derek White. I'm a big uh, Derek White fan. I think he plays really good defense. I think he's uh, a good secondary facilitator, but at the same time, there's a quote I saw, I think Jeff Goodman put it out saying he's super unselfish, right? Like he, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He might not be the best shooter. And that's kind of the main drawback. I've seen a lot of people complain about on Twitter is that he's not a shooter, but, um, 
you know, if you're holding teams to 90 a game, like I said, you don't really need, you know, elite three point shooters. And obviously that's an issue and you want spacing, but um, outside of this season where I think white shooting around like 31.5 or something percent, he shot like 34, 35, 36, the rest of his career. So it's not like he's a bad three point shooter. He might be having a bad shooting year, but so are a lot of guys. So yeah. uh, I really like Derek white Romeo Langford. I mean, wasn't really playing at that point. You had to cut ties with some of those young guys. And then the pick, the same people who are complaining about, you know, the first round pick on Twitter are the same people who would complain when that guy doesn't get any minutes in the Celtics rotation when they, yeah. Pick him, so. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to look, I mean, that pick's going to be outside the lottery, you know, especially if the yeah. Celtics keep playing this way, it should be a, a high pick. I, I didn't want him to move Richardson. I think that mm-hmm. he was a really good piece off the bench. Uh, he was playing really well. He was having almost a career year, really. Um, and he, and again, he found his role was okay with it and played it well. And they've relied on him more times than than not this year to get buckets when, uh, you know, when their starters were, um, you know, not hitting their shots. So that was tough to to see that. But I like White a lot. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about swapping. Let's just look at it swapping Dennis Schroeder for for Derek White. I think that's an upgrade and a win as Huge. your point guard coming off the bench. He's going to play. I'm with you. I didn't think Schroeder fit. I mean, I, nothing yeah. personal against him, but clearly he. He's the goal. He's playing for salary. He needs the ball in his hand. He's not a good passer. He's not a good distributor. And he was a liability on defense as pesky as he could be. His size was an issue at times. So Derek white. Now, you know, you got an off brand Marcus smart, or maybe as good as Marcus smart in a lot of areas to come off the bench and fill that role. I just think the moves today tighten things up. And as much as Daniel Tice is Daniel Tice, you didn't have a backup center. You were starting, you were starting time Lord and, and, uh, and Horford and Ennis can't Ennis freedom was, I mean, that Garbage. guy <laughs> probably won't get Garbage in the NBA. So oh, he got waved. He got cut immediately by the rock. Yeah. He's, he's gone. <laughs> and Grant Williams is having a career year uh, by himself, but you know, his size, you needed his backup center. And I think Daniel Tice is one of the probably perfect fit as a backup center in this role in Boston, but you did shorten your bench. Aaron Neesmith or Peyton Pritchard are going to have to step up. Um, because those are those are your two question marks now on the bench with Richardson gone. You're gonna have to get some buckets from somebody other than other than your starting unit. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reports you saw before the deadline, you know, deadline day came about. Everyone was saying, yeah, okay, Schroeder's gone. They're looking at trades for Schroeder, blah, blah, blah. And one of the big things were they're okay with dealing Schroeder because they're A, fine with Richardson taking on that backup point guard role. And if, if, if you're comparing Richardson as a point guard to Derek White as a point guard, I mean, one's an actual point guard. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and the second yeah. thing was that came out was they're comfortable with letting Peyton Pritchard take a step up. So that tells me that uh, Brad Stevens and or Doka is confident in Peyton Pritchard's ability to step into that rotation and uh, as far as Neesmith goes, I think it's a great opportunity for him, right? Everyone's talking about him not getting regular run. Well, they have, what, 10 guys on the roster now? So he yeah, right. should be able to get some real run. And obviously they have to – I know they definitely have to sign at least two players before the game tomorrow, uh, and that's in addition to Sam Hauser. I, I assume Sam Hauser will probably get a standard deal. Uh, you yeah. see reports floating on Twitter around that, and he's a good shooter in the G League. So hopefully he takes like 10 threes in the G League a game, which is – wild so hopefully you can do something like that that's brad stevens <laughs> wet dream right there is a guy that yeah. Can shoot a three. yeah he got in one game it was i forget who they were playing and he knocked down a three you know in garbage time obviously and he was just like mm-hmm. talking shit and dropping the you know like <laughs> go ice in the veins baby let's go he's like the, he's like the yeah. mac jones that we were talking about mac jones dorky confidence for i don't know if you I saw love his, mac jones. Oh, his yeah. uh mic'd up came out today but like yeah mm-hmm. he kind of reminds me of that 
But there's going to be a lot of uh, 10-day contracts, as they were just saying, too, I saw on Twitter, is that that's what's going to be going out for this roster is they're just going to start plug-and-playing veterans or young guys on 10-day contracts and see how it goes. Yeah, a lot of testing, I can imagine. I mean – Who would you think you'd see, though? Like, who do you think they're going to – That's tough. It's tough. Obviously, Goran Dragic is probably going to get bought out, but he's going to go to Miami or Dallas. Um, Yeah. Looking around the league, I I don't know how many guys are going to get – bought out and signed elsewhere i mean you could look at kent bays more in la but i mean if he's not working for the lakers like nah. yeah, yeah. gary, yeah. Yeah. gary harris is a guy uh, that's getting talked about who's having a bad shooting year but um you know yeah. he's a good shooter to your point it's that's kind of league-wide they changed the ball right a lot of people are blaming on the ball yeah um i mean you know it, i don't know if you would want to come to the celtics that's kind of the your buyout predicament when it comes to the celtics there's there's always guys out there and you're kind of they're always linked to them but not allowed to come if you're not a contender they don't want to come usually yeah it's tough and i i mean it's hard to call this Celtics team a contender with how poorly they started the year but if you just look at the last what month and a half they look like one of the best teams in the league especially on defense so i feel like that could be a draw for some guys especially some of these you know younger players who might not have you know had the great greatest luck in their first spot uh, you look at Tory Craig a couple of years ago. He was a perfect example. I mean, Lou Dort signed a two-way. Not, I'm not saying the Celtics are going to find Lou Dort, but there's right. plenty of young guys hungry, yeah. looking to make an impact. I, I don't expect anybody they sign with one of these end-of-the-bench deals to overstep Aaron Neesmith or Peyton Pritchard in the rotation. And if they do, then that's that's great. because, because Yeah, it means they found something, right? And, and I do think that they are still lacking in shooters. I mean, 100%. They don't oh. have any. Like, let's be honest outside of <laughs> outside. Well, I mean, I guess you got to call Grant Williams a shooter now because he's, I, I'm the biggest Grant fan. I'll tell you that I'm the biggest Grant Williams fan you'll ever find. So I liked I, Grant I Williams as a rookie. Grant. I hated him last year and now he's That's back. Totally in my That's totally valid. That's totally To be fair. I hated everyone last year, but I think that was That's warranted. Also fair. Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, in that same vein, Jack, do you think the Celtics left some, some stuff on the table? So we, lot of, we saw a lot of guys move. We saw Portland, you know, that Powell and Covington deal, we're yeah. talking about the blood. You know who they get? They got Bledsoe, um, the corpse of Justice Winslow, Justice and, Winslow. and Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson. As well. Keon so Johnson, you could have yeah. matched that with something with some stuff on your roster, and maybe thrown in a pick, and that gives you a scorer in Powell and one of the best three and D guys in the league. Is there a reason they didn't go after that? Is the contracts how important was it to get into the tax? Which I believe they did by like four hundred grand mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, they, so. they got under the tax. I think it's actually by like 2.5 million when it all, all shakes out to it because they gave up. I mean, they gave up half the roster, right? Realistically right. speaking, they gave up like a third of the <laughs> roster. Um, and if they made that trade for Powell, I don't think they would have gotten under the tax, especially if Covington was in it because those are two huge contracts and unless Portland's willing to take on Horford, which I, I don't necessarily think the Celtics wanted to give him up right away. Um, then, I don't either, by the way. I started to cut you off, but I think yeah, Horford yeah. has been important in his role. Oh yeah. Uh, in both stints, his role as an offensive facilitator and uh, defense specifically against Embiid specifically and uh, Giannis to a credit when they didn't have Horford. I mean, it was a mess. Embiid just runs over him. Giannis just runs yeah. over him. He, you know, he's an important guy for, for playing those type of players. And that's why I think Daniel Tice is going to be important. He's going to be able to spell Horford and do a lot of what he can do on the offensive side of the ball and defensive to an extent. 
That's exactly what I was just going to say. Like, Hor- everyone's seen Horford. He's lost a little bit of a step since his first hit in Boston. He's been great, like, in his role, like you said. And I think that's a big part of the reason he didn't get traded that and probably no one wants to take on his contract. But he- he's been great in his role. And now that you have Daniel Tice, you don't have to play Al Horford 30 minutes a game. You have another guy who can get down there, bang down low, and allow Robert Williams to play kind of off the ball and not on the center. And that way he can, yeah, I mean, half the reason he gets some of these blocks is because he's guarding the corner and then he comes over and he just swats them. Right. Right. And so if you have Daniel Tice, you can stick him on a Joel Embiid and you might not like that matchup, but when you have Robert Williams on the weak side to help, it looks a lot better. So um, yeah. yeah, as far as the Powell thing, I think it was just getting under the tax and the fact that they, I would say improved their, starting eight on the roster and also got under the tax that's a huge win especially when you consider both Tice and Derek White are under contract through the 24-25 season yeah. that gives them so much long-term flexibility and I think that's this, the very underrated part of what Brad Stevens did at the deadline this year why is the tax so important I mean I know that the Celtics and Wick will get something like 10 million six to ten million dollars back and whatever why is that important they haven't paid they haven't paid tax in years uh, I told Ray this before. I saw some, a stat on Twitter. The last time they paid the tax, the team was worth like $2.6 billion. Now they're worth $3.7 billion. They're not hurting for cash. I Like, what is so important about the tax? I know there's some ramifications, you know, salary cap-wise that yeah. just make me sick to my stomach. But uh, <laughs> do, you, do you understand the me- – is it just money from the See, ownership I'll, side I'll pre- or – I'll pretend with the best of them, but at, the, at, at its core, I, I'm probably as clueless as the rest of everybody. I just know that if you pay the luxury tax three years in a row, I'm sure you guys have heard this. If you pay three years in a row, then you get into the repeater tax, which means it's a ton of money. And right. if they don't feel like the Celtics are going to win a championship this year, which I mean, realistically speaking, with how compact the East is, there, there's a chance you never know what happens, but there, there are better teams in the East. And we can be honest, Celtics probably aren't going to win it all this year then what's the point of paying that tax this year? If you can feel like you have a chance to be in that upper echelon next year, you pay it and then you move forward. So I I think the the thing with the tax is just, if you don't think you're going to win a championship, it's just bad business not to pay the tax. But again, I'm as far from an expert on the tax as you can find. My only, to combat that, my argument would be, you're not, you may not be in the win a championship this year, but first of all, you never know, but you should also be thinking that maybe next year, with Tatum and Brown continuing to, you know, excel, you should be in that conversation. So you're also in, now you're in the world, the NBA world of don't let your young superstars force the way out of town. So <laughs> cheaping out at deadline is not a good look. Yeah. Is not a great look, right? So give it up to Brad. I think the team is a better team today than exactly. it was yesterday. And he yeah. did it like to your point of getting under the tax as well. And they've shortened their bench and they're going to, they're going to do what they're going to do. But that precedent of not spending money just because you don't think that you can win a championship this year has to go away pretty soon, right? I if, agree. If you, if you want to continue to show Tatum and Brown that you're investing in their future and their chances at championships. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree completely. That's totally valid. I mean, you look at Anthony Davis in New Orleans a couple of years ago. You look at James Harden twice in the past year, which is crazy. Uh, just <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. I mean, you want to make your superstars happy. And I think, like you said, props to Brad Stevens. He made the team better and also pleased with Grosbeck, which is huge. I mean, what, yeah. what Brad Stevens has done in his first year as GM is really impressive, right? And you, you people, I see a lot of people on Twitter knocking Brad saying it's a bad deadline, which I personally don't understand. Like, 
obviously he didn't elevate them to contender status, which I'm maybe a lot of Celtics fan wanted with how well they've been playing, but getting Derek white and Daniel Tice in exchange for realistically, Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, and his freedom and Bruno Fernando, who by the way, are all four pieces. They like got this past off season, right? It's right. not like they're all of which you probably yeah. would not be on the team next year, regardless. Exactly. It's huge. And maybe you have Richardson for more, one more year and then you deal him again. But the fact that he's extended into next year makes his value better. And yeah. with the way he's been playing, you never know if his shooting will go down. So you, you trade him while he's hot, I guess. Yeah. I think, um, Derek white is are going to, is going to surprise a lot of Celtics fans yeah. who are kind of naysayers. Now he is a perfect fit for Boston. He's exactly what we like in, in our basketball players and our athletes. Like he works really hard, tries hard and, um, you know, is aggressive. So I think that oh, I may also him. had him in San Antonio. So he already knows what exactly. kind of player he's getting. So I may already knows what he's got. He did do team USA basketball with the international team. Exactly. So he's played with Marcus smart. He's played with Jason Tate. He's played with Jalen Brown. So he already knows how to play with these guys. So I think it is going to be a bigger trade, uh, acquisition, acquisition. Sorry. Well I've done. been drinking. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where we look back at the end of the season and be like, wow, that was a, a steal of a trade. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they, they still need shooting. So hopefully, you know, there's someone there or Neesmith steps up or someone just starts making shots. He was the best shooter in the draft <laughs> when he got drafted. That's why we call him Peach Baskets. We lose Ray? I think so, maybe. Yeah. You got bored. Uh, all right, man. I, we appreciate you jumping on. This was fun. Um, yeah, I would love to have you back. Um, anytime. This was awesome. Thank you for sure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, one more time, just plug your stuff. Let us know where we can find your work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm on Twitter at Jack Simone NBA. You can find me there. It has links or in my bio to all of the other publications I work for, mainly Celtics blog. I write for them at the hive, which covers the Hornets. If you're interested in that, uh, hoops habit, fan side, NBA site, CLNS. Uh, maybe there's another one. I, I lose track, but yeah, those are the main things. And I do a podcast myself from the Raptors about the Celtics. If you want to check that out too. Nice man. Yeah. We'd love to, we'd love to jump on and talk at any time. For sure. Ray, welcome back. We're leaving. <laughs> and I heard a boom and then a fucking internet stopped working. I'm sorry. <laughs> I heard a boom. I heard a boom. Hey, that's, that's a pretty work. valid excuse. A boom sounds important. Ray, <laughs> say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> see you, Jack. Bye, Jack. Talk soon, man. See you guys. See it. You heard a boom? I heard a boom. And then the fucking, I looked at my modem and it was fucking blinking. I'm like, uh oh. Like you guys I are both a, frozen. I'm like, move. I'm like, oh fuck, it's me. God damn it. I heard a boom. I heard a boom. Okay. Um, that was hey, good. I like two, Jack. Two great guests. Yeah. Well, I don't, you like know. Toot, I don't like to toot toot, but toot toot. I did good. I did good, good job. Well, also, I think that we can uh, attribute a lot of that to no queen. Things just generally go smoother with no queen. Well, when you see that intimidating figure on the other side of the screen, you're just like, oh fuck, am I gonna get shot? Yeah, no, that, yeah. That yeah. scares people. That scares it people. Definitely. Although Blake did ask for, uh, he's like, oh, no, Bill? Yeah, you know, you know. Well, he's hockey. They're hockey guys. You know, they, they had a gun. They Worcester thing and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blake's not afraid of a little syphilis. <laughs> yeah, because he, he knows. He knows. He knows. He, he knows. gets it. He saw yeah. Bill yeah. pin him for a syphilis guy right off the bat. Uh-huh. He's like, all right, just keep my distance, but he's okay. Yeah, I've seen this guy around campus before. No, thank you. <laughs> Tried to sell me incense and then I ran away and he fired. Yeah. This has been the Civil Mind Sports Show Friday Rewind, February 11th. Um, we'll well see you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
dumb, dumb homeless person. Dumb. What? Can you hear me now? Uh huh. Zoom's fucking stupid. Blame, right. it on, blame it on Zoom. It did. It said Zoom had a problem. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, you got a fucking problem, all right, Zoom. Fucking Zoom's User. gonna have some fist. No, 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 no. User error. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, Ray. Yeah. So you have beer farts right now? Oh, I have the meat farts. It, it stinks like holy hell in this basement. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I could gag someone to death down here. <laughs> it's like a it's a natural defense system well you drank all last night you're hung over you're just having the beer farts yeah those are the worst those are the worst they're pretty Hot snakes all day Hot snakes all day i've been i did a lot of sleeping today oh that's where you were i thought you were dead we're i almost pulled a bill i almost had to put an app out on you and call uh, the wife it is uh it is hard to recover I was gonna say, excuse me, did Rich say he's going out for milk and cigarettes and he hasn't returned yet? <laughs> What's going on? It is a long, hard process. You're not young, you're old. That's what your mother calls. My brain's gonna be real bad tonight. <laughs> Welcome to my world, baby. Um, with that being said, what do you say we go ahead and uh start the show? <laughs> 